Brothers and sisters in Christ, I bring greetings to you from the land of Dragon, Bhutan. From the country of the largest democracy on, in this world, India. And from the birthplaces of seven major religions, the continent of Asia. Thank you very much for having me. Last year, I had the privilege to host one of your own, Mr. Ted and Eleanor Wonk, a wonderful couple who visited India and Bhutan. They brought encouragements to our missionaries on the field. We already had a taste of your missionary zeal and love for the Lord in and through the life and testimony of Mr. Ted and Eleanor Wong. I only hope that in the days to come, you will be also sending your pastors and more elders will come and will help us on the field. We need your help. How can we pray for Bhutan and India? Yesterday in the morning, Mr. Lee Day Young, the president of RCA, asked me to mention to the joint synod gathering of RCA and CRCA delegates to pray for the India and Bhutan and Asia. I mentioned two things. I ask first, pray for the wisdom of God Almighty to dawn upon a group of people who are sincerely wrong in spreading hatred against Christianity in Bhutan, in Bangladesh, in Nepal, and India. Pray that out of these soul of Tarsus who are bent to persecute Christians, the Lord will do miracle and he will bring out St. Paul for our region. Second, I requested them to please pray for the discernment, courage, mutual trust among the Christian leaders, brotherhood, unity, sacrifice, passion for the gospel of Jesus Christ among the elders of the church, deacons and pastors, you know, among the youths, among the children, for the sake of 1.2 billion people who are still perishing without gospel. My theme this morning is, why should we all engage in missions? And I was wondering if that is an appropriate theme because when the pastor asked how many of you are volunteering, I saw so many of you are standing. You know, that will not be the scenery in India. So I'm, perhaps I'm preaching to the choir anyway. <laughs> You're all ready, but somewhere perhaps some of us will get the message. My meditation comes from St. Paul, Paul's letter to church at Ephesus. In this letter, St. Paul emphatically implores Christians at Ephesus Leave worthy of your calling, chapter 4-1. Leave the life of love, chapter 5-1. Leave as children of light, chapter 5, verse 8. Leave not as unwise, but wise, chapter 5, verse 15. And I believe mission is all about that. How do you live? The Greek word called peripatio, and some of your Bible verse might have translated as walk, but I prefer leave. Living worthy of our Christian call, living the life of love agape, living as children of light, the light that exposes the darkness and dispels the darkness. Live wise, 
not knowing, knowing exactly actually how, when, where, and for whom you should use the knowledge and the resources that God has given you. But before he makes such a demand, St. Paul explains in chapter 1, verse 4 to 13. And that's the passage that I want to meditate. If you have Bible, you can open with us. He gives the reasons why should the Christians at Ephesus must leave, 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 and leave in the way they should leave. Let me read beginning at verse 3, chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessings in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glory, glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were first to hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. So in this passage, Paul is trying to give us reason why. Why we must leave, leave, leave the way that we should be living. I want to apply this same rationale this morning. Why must we all engage in missions? According to Paul, we must do missions because we are blessed with every spiritual blessings that is needed for doing missions. Unfortunately, many of us do not recognize that we are not mere human beings, but in Jesus Christ, we are extraordinary human beings. We are not merely children of human parents, but we are also children of the Almighty God. A story is told of a farmer who found one unbroken egg of an eagle in the forest lying in the midst of a broken branch of tree after the storm. He took that egg and placed it among the chicken eggs that was being hatched. When the eggs were hatched, the eagle chick found oneself surrounded by all the chicken chicks. As she grew older, she acted like chickens. She lived like chickens. 
She dreamt and desired, as she saw the bird flying over her head, she dreamt a desire to fly. She, she did not realize that she was an eagle. She thought she was just a chicken. She wished and desired, and while wishing and desiring, she died like a chicken. We have the choice to recognize who we are in Jesus Christ, or just leave the way that our neighbors are living. St. Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus, Eulogetos hatios kai pater tau curio hemon Jesu Christo. Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. What does Paul is praising God for? Paul praises for every spiritual blessings in Christ. These blessings are different from the blessings of health, wealth, and prosperity. These blessings are invisible, intangible. It cannot be seen by human eyes. You need an eye of faith to see that. It's not understood by rational mind. Why spiritual blessing, Paul says? Why not physical? Because physically we are not all equally blessed. Some of us are more handsome than others here. You know. I have a difficult time when I come to America because all the time I have to talk to the people like that. And by the time I reach my room, I have a real pain in my neck. Not everyone are equally blessed physically. Not also financially. Some are in debts. Some have more money. Some have less money. Some are more intellectual, you know. Some are less high school pass somehow. <laughs> we are not equally intellectually blessed. One may not have the blessings of intellect, health, and wealth, and prosperity, but none of us, if you and I are child of God, could deny these spiritual blessings. He has not been partial to any one of us. Maybe of any color, any race, ethnic, any ethnicity. If you are a child of God, whether you live in Africa or in America or India, you are blessed with all these spiritual blessings. That's why Paul is very tactful, the way that he is saying. These spiritual blessings are equally given to all. What are these spiritual blessings already given to all those who are in Christ? Paul mentions seven spiritual blessings. Seven is a number that often represents completion, sufficiency, and fullness in the Bible. First spiritual blessing in verse 4. He says, he chose us in Jesus before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless. God Almighty has chosen you and me in Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jesus said in John chapter 15 verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit that will last. We did not choose to be a Christian. But God chose us even before we made the decisions. He already had you and me on his list. <laughs> that is why I have a difficulty singing that famous chorus, you know, as a young boys and girls. I have decided... To follow Jesus. Have you sang that song? <laughs> but only after being a little bit reformed, I realized that not really theologically correct. <laughs> if we are at all, we are able to repent and turn to Jesus, it is because God, 
in his mercy, in his providence, in his divine election and predestination, he put my name on his list. And so I made people of God. So I came to senses. So I recognized who I was. It is all because of his mercy. He chose me. Do you realize that God had given you that spiritual blessing? That you are a chosen one. Second spiritual blessings. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as children of God. Yes, he could have chosen us as slaves. We don't deserve more than that. Like remember the prodigal son who was returning and says, I only deserve to be your slave. But he has chosen us as his sons and daughters. That second spiritual blessings. That we are co-heirs with his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. He has become our brother. As sons and daughters, we carry the family name. We carry the family legacy. We manage the family business. We are the potential owners, not employees. We don't have to fight for the bonuses. We own the company. You and I, we are all the children of the Almighty, the Most High. So let us have the right attitude towards our church. When we come to the church, the little boy Jesus said, why are you searching, why were you searching for me? Didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? <laughs> Let us have the right attitude to the kingdom's work. Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. My food is to do the will of my father. That's his, this is my business. This is my family business. This is what I have inherited by birth. We are the sons and daughters of the Most High. Third spiritual blessings. He gave his glorious grace freely to each one. We read that in verse 6. Grace which is undeserved mercy given to us freely. I learned about the grace from my mother. My mother was the New Testament and my father was the Old Testament. <laughs> For my father, who was like a lion... Thou shall be blessed if thou obey, and thou shall be cursed if thou shall disobey. Pretty straight, black and white, no gray. But I could say no to my mama anytime. Son, can you please bring water? Mama, can you see I'm doing my homework? Son, can you bring some firewood? No, I'm going to play football. I could say no as many times as I want, and yet next day morning my tiffin is ready, my cloth is ironed, my socks are ready, my shoe is there, she is there to tie my shoe, and send me to school with kiss and hug. I could learn the grace, I could see the foretaste of Jesus in my mother. I remember many a time when my father would be raised with his anger and would punish me with long sticks. My mother will wrap me around with her body and she will take all the beatings on her body. She will vicariously take all the punishment of mine. I understood why Jesus died for me very clearly because I had seen that happening right from my childhood. Grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. He gave everything for you and me. He took upon all, all the punishment that you and I deserve upon himself. That grace is given to you and me. That's the third spiritual blessings, brothers and sisters, you and I have received. 
Fourth spiritual blessings in verse 7. In him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. In accordance with the God's riches of God's grace. This forgiveness that has come to us, not according to your righteousness, now how smart you are in your penitence, or how genuine and sincere you are in repentance. No, 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 no. According to the riches of God's grace. In Jesus, our past sins are forgiven. Our present and future sin can be forgiven. And so I don't have to just lie down where I am fallen. I can get up with confidence. I can have the approach and access because we have a loving and compassionate, forgiving God. That's the uniqueness of Christianity. I keep on telling to other friends from other faith, do you realize what makes Christianity so unique? You could come back to God anytime. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all our unrighteousness. 1 John 1 9. Not in accordance to our ability to live righteous, but according to the riches of God's grace. On one occasion, Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, said, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Now, Jesus was not telling Peter, you need to carry a diary and note down one, two, three. No, no. <laughs> That's a figure of speech. He says, unlimited times. Because you are not forgiving according to your ability, according to riches of my grace that is available for him. On another occasion, Jesus told his disciple, so watch yourself. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in one day, in a day, and seven times he comes back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. Luke chapter 17, verse 3 to 4. We are not only forgiven according to the riches of God's grace, but we are also given the ability to forgive others according to God's grace, riches of God's grace. That's the blessing that you and I have, that we don't have to suffer with a stomachache and ulcer because some people, they have problem of not being able to forgive. <laughs> they have blood pressures. <laughs> they can't forgive others. Fifth, Spiritual blessing. In verse 8. Grace that he levies on us with all wisdom and understanding. This grace that he is not only levied us with forgiveness. But this grace also brings to us wisdom and understanding. As you read the scripture. Your eyes are enlightened. Your mind is open. You start looking at the things from different perspectives. God gives us wisdom to discern right from wrong. Our godly wisdom enables us to see beyond our naked eyes. We can perceive the implications and the long-term reactions of every choices that we make and every action that we take today. We are not simply for an instant and narrow gain, not bigoted and partial in our justice, but we desire a welfare Welfare and justice for all. Yes, our wisdom makes us vulnerable and sometimes a loser. But we are ready to take that risk for the sake of integrity and godliness, which is indispensable. That wisdom comes from him. 
That's a spiritual blessing. Our every decisions, our every, every way of looking at is different from others. Sixth spiritual blessing, verse 9. He made known to us the mystery of his will. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 6. This mystery is that through the gospel of Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and the sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. Paul also wrote in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 15 to 16. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. So in Jesus Christ, there is no color. (laughs) There is no race. There is no gender biases. There is no begotted opinion. In Jesus Christ and through his gospel, the humanity that is segregated, divided along the line of race, language, nationality, gender biases, denominations, can be brought into unity. It is a spiritual blessing to you and me that we can see things differently than others. Our Kashmiri language radio program producer in India is producing program jointly. One is Sia convert, another is Sunni convert. (laughs) But they work like brothers in the family. It's only possible through the gospel that the world will unite and the world of hatred and division will have peace. In India, we tell our neighbors out loud, we do not preach for mere conversion to Christianity, but a true transformation that restores true humanity. That's what gospel has and wants to achieve. Seventh spiritual blessing in verse 30. Paul says he has marked us in, the, in Jesus Christ with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. The seal is a sign of ownership and authority. You know that when you go to the government office. How important is the seal? <laughs> you know, in the first century, the king will, res- will basically issue a letter with his seal that will carry his ownership of the words that is written, that it is his word. Written with the power authority that authority follows these words, that is not mere words. <laughs> he will send the army behind it if you don't obey. <laughs> so the, he carries the authorities, the seal carries authority. I don't look like a typical Indian, so I have some time problem. Once I took some friends from America to see Taj Mahal. The entry fee for American is 900 rupees, but for an Indian is rupees 30. It's a big difference, you know. <laughs> I'm, by citizenship, I'm Indian, but of course, my parents migrated from Tibet, 1940, so I look a little bit different. So when I sold my ticket of 30 rupees, going with my friends who are carrying 900 rupees ticket, the gatekeeper, he refused to give me an entry. He said, you are a Chinese. You cannot enter with this ticket. (laughs) You need to go back and buy 900 rupees ticket. And I just took out my passport. 
and I showed him, do you see these seals? <laughs> you know, he was convinced. It's very clearly the government of India's seal is there. We are, we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. God owns his authority over us. We belong to God. We belong to him. That is why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 to 19, when he came, he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And because it is my authority, now I give this authority to you because I own you. I have sealed you. My authority goes with you. Go and make disciples of all nations. But how do we know that we are sealed by the Holy Spirit? Some of us may ask. You know, that's why we are the charismatic churches made a lot of good uh, benefit out of it. How do we know? Do we need to take a second baptism? Should we start speaking in tongue? <laughs> Paul wrote to the church at Rome in Romans chapter 8 verse 9. You, however, not in the realm of flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. So Paul is saying, first of all, if you do not have the spirit, you are not a Christian. And if you are a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit. So don't let anybody deceive you. Just because you don't have the feeling does not make, you know, his absence. Each one of us are indwelled by the Holy Spirit. Some are more filled by the Holy Spirit. It's just the level where we are mature, we are growing. We are all. Then again he wrote in Romans chapter 8, verse 14 to 16. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him... We cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testify with our spirit that we are God's children. For a child of God, recognizing and remembering these seven spiritual blessings, that I am chosen, that I am not only chosen simply, but I am chosen as sons and daughters, that I have been given grace abundant, that have been forgiven and forgiven not only in the past but in the present and future that forgiveness is available available according to the riches of God's grace that he has lavished us with wisdom and understanding that he has given us the mystery the mystery that unites in spite of ethnic differences or race or color in Jesus Christ this mystery can make one new humanity that we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. We belong to God. We own by God. We live for Him, for His purposes. And so, when a child of God knows this, his inward conviction is strengthened. And so, even in adversity, he is able to sing. No. Let the weak say, I am strong. Let the poor say I am rich. Let the blind say I can see what the Lord has done for me. Hosanna, Hosanna 
To the land that was slain, Hosanna, Hosanna, Jesus died and rose again. Yes, in all circumstances. That's why Kunsang says, you know, I can witness Jesus anywhere, everywhere, even in jail. It just requires the willingness. It just requires you recognize who you are, that you are not a chicken. You and I need to recognize on a daily basis who you are. Those of us who are a child of God know deep in our heart that God had blessed us through Jesus Christ immensely. And now it is our time to live for him. The importance of this spiritual blessing also lies in its purpose. What is the purpose of those spiritual blessings? According to Paul, they are not an end in itself these are not intended to make us proud. Oh, I'm chosen. <laughs> I got a lot of grace. I can take the forgiveness as a license. <laughs> I can keep on committing sin. Oh, I'm much wiser than you. No, no, no. Not to make you proud and arrogant. Not having superior attitude. But they're intended for the divine purpose. And what is that divine purpose? In verse 4, in chapter 1. Chapter 1, verse 4. That we may be holy, blameless in the sight of Jesus. In verse 5. That we may live according to the pleasure of the will of Jesus to praise of his glorious grace. That we do not live for ourselves, but for his glory alone. Notice the repetition of the phrase in verse 12 and 14. Twice. Paul repeats, to the praise of his glory, to the praise of his glory. And mission is all about that. Mission is worship. We are looking forward that one day every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the praise of his glory. That's why we must all engage in missions. The divine purpose is highlighted again and again. Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 2, 10, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. My brothers and sisters, we are all equipped. We are ready, ready for the mission field. Yes, God's mission is the purpose for which we have been washed by the Lamb, blood of the Lamb. God's mission is the purpose for which you are given the life-changing, life-empowering, and life-transforming, beautiful word of God. God's mission is the purpose for which we are indwelt and filled by the mighty Holy Spirit. God's mission is the purpose for which we are given the fellowship of the members of the body of Christ in this Fifth Reformed Church. You really don't have to go to India. You can start mission right next to your door. Everywhere, everywhere is the front row and front line. You can engage in the battlefield. Will you say amen this morning? Amen. Shall we all stand up? Let's make it our personal commitment. Let's look up to God. Not by our strength. Not by our might. Only by the Holy Spirit. Lord have mercy. Have mercy, almighty God, that you may find each one of us faithful steward in what you have given us. Thank you, Lord, 
for giving us a good health. Thank you, Lord, for giving us the good mind. Thank you for giving us the salvation, the gift of God. Thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the gift of the word. Thank you for the gift of the families and the church. Oh God, even if we live entire life for you is not enough. Many more lives all should be surrendered at your feet. Lord, help us, have mercy on us. Guide us and direct us. Give us the discernment. Help us to make right choices. Give us the courage to jump off the cliffs and fly. Not live like chicken. But live like a children of Almighty God. Bless us, Lord, from this day onwards. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Thank you.